0: Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Today we're going to talk about being just like Jesus. I don't know who you want to be like. I don't know who you wake up in the morning and think, if I can do what they do, that will be a victorious day. In some ways, it probably depends on what the plan is for the day. If it's a certain sport, then you try and imitate how somebody does what they do. If it's somebody who's in a sophisticated environment, you want to imitate their thought process. It's in the chapter 2. Today we're going to talk about being just like Jesus. I don't know who you want to be like. I don't know who you wake up in the morning and think, if I can do what they do, that will be a victorious day. In some ways, it probably depends on what the plan is for the day. If it's a certain sport, then you try and imitate how somebody does what they do. If it's somebody who's in a sophisticated environment, You want to imitate their thought? ...to head to their classes, and we'll now enjoy a short fellowship break. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Today we're going to talk about being just like Jesus. I don't know who you want to be like. I don't know who you wake up in the morning and think... If I can do what they do, that will be a victorious day. In some ways, it probably depends on what the plan is for the day. If it's a certain sport, then you try and imitate how somebody does what they do. If it's somebody who's in a sophisticated environment, you want to imitate their thought process. If it's a certain sport... Then you try and imitate how somebody does what they do. If it's somebody who's in a sophisticated environment, you want to imitate their thought process? entire life being just like somebody else. Yeah. I've got a twin brother, Mike. Uh, That may be a surprise to you. I... I frequently get asked at church, why did you change clothes? Or that's really cool that you were up there singing and you preached. Remember a number of months back, uh, somebody who was... Yeah, the life of a twin is exciting. You know, Mike and I are just alike. We're identical. We're actually both missing the same bicuspid but we share the same DNA. But I can tell you, even though DNA-wise we're, we're a carbon copy, we're, we're just alike, we're different. And if you know us well, we're wired different. Okay, now our path was very similar. All the way up to college, we both graduated with chemistry degrees, that I went on to grad school and he went and got a law degree. And that actually fits Mike because he's amazing all the way up to college. We both graduated with chemistry degrees that I went on to grad school and he went and got a law degree. And that actually fits Mike because he's amazing negotiator. Okay, Now, our path was very similar all the way up to... College. We both graduated with chemistry degrees. Then I went on to grad school, and he went and got a law degree. And that actually fits Mike because he's an amazing negotiator. We did. So I walk well, in. Can't, can't. Actually, Mike, actually Mike, negotiator. He has in his closing statement. And I laughed and I go, you know, Mike's really good at that. And he has a law degree, so he reads the fine print. She goes, oh, that makes sense. You know, even though we look just alike, we're wired different. We're similar. You know, sometimes without trying, we do the exact same things. I think I've shared with you, I remember once, where we both gave our mom the same Mother's Day card. But I bought mine in Toronto because I was living there and he bought his in Iowa because he was living there. You know, you do twin things like that. You know what I found when it comes to being like Jesus? I never accidentally imitate Jesus. I don't just live my life and go, oh, wow, that was really cool. Jesus was just like me that day. Being just like Jesus is an entire different process in my life than being like my twin brother. The fact is, it's the same for you. You know, sometimes we, we wonder this. I'll let it sink in. You know, who are we trying to imitate? Or we're setting the bar. Everybody should be imitating us. You know, the Bible makes it really clear that, that Jesus set the bar. He's the one we ought to copy off of, right? And so where, where do we got to start? Well, we need to think like Jesus. And in Philippians 2, Paul says this, verse 1 to 5. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love... If any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Now, notice the point is to think like Jesus. Paul says, have the same mindset. But it's not what you expect. When he says, you know, you got to have the same mindset of Jesus, and then he starts talking about love. You see, how we go, well, I want to think like Jesus. I want to I I have the same mental response to what Jesus would do. Well, Paul continues having the same mindset of Jesus, It says, here's the context. How you treat people. He goes, the mindset that you need to be like Jesus is the mindset of love. If you're going to imitate how Jesus thinks, well, then another way to think about it is imitate how Jesus loves. But just like I shared before, you're not going to accidentally love people in the same way that Jesus loved people. What do you call us to do? He said, have the same mindset. Have the same love. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, consider others above yourselves. You know what's amazing is our ability to love like Jesus is rooted in a thought. And what's a thought? How we view people. And so we go, well, I just wasn't as loving as I needed to be. Paul says it's because you didn't think about people in the way Jesus thought about people. So then you behaved with people differently than Jesus behaved with people. You see, you can't have wrong thinking And then go, yeah, but in the pressure of the moment, I will rise to the occasion and love with full grandeur. Now, if you have wrong thinking, it will manifest itself in wrong loving. Okay? So the good news is if we can change our thought process, the overflow of that will be loving behavior. You ever been in one of those situations? We're like, I just need to act loving if I, you know, maybe it's I have one of those talks coming up where your wife says we need to talk. You know what that means, right? That means there's an issue. Well, you can go into it and say, okay, I just don't want her to be mad. I just need to be really good when she's mad uh, you know, I just want to respond right. But what's our problem? We're not trying to go into it with the right mindset. We're hoping our behavior is correct in the moment. I know. Am I the only husband? I saw some wives smiling. I didn't see the husbands smiling. The wives recognize this, right? It start. It starts up here. He says, "Well, how do you think about people?" What's your mindset? How do you consider them? When you're in an environment, what's your perspective? Yo, Paul says you are really privileged. You know why? Because we're all in the presence of people who are better than us. We are the weakest link. They're going to bring us up to their level. Wow, it's so good that we're here. We're in the presence of greatness. But so often what we do is, yeah, greatness. And we're thinking of ourselves. People are so lucky I'm here. It's a mindset. You've got to think like Jesus. you got to care most about others. you got to value others more than yourself it changes the way you operate when you come in and think that way you fellowship you talk to people you come early why like can you imagine getting super bowl tickets and showing up late to the super bowl make it yeah if i just get in at halftime that'll be fine Oh, you know why? You'd get you'd get there early. You'd start planning weeks in advance to make sure nothing would come up. You know why that is? Because it's such an amazing opportunity. You would never want to be late for that. You want to maximize. But isn't that the way church ought to be? You wouldn't show up late. Why? Because you got the opportunity to be with greatness. You want to maximize that opportunity. But if you feel like you're the greatness, then you're just showing up to make your appearance, sign a few autographs, and now you can go. You say, what's the problem? It's the thought process that goes behind. we got to think like Jesus. The love will flow from that. Now, what's... The What's the key to how, how Jesus thought? Well, look at this in verse 6 to 8. It says, Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What was the key? It's humility. You've got to have the same humility. Now, I'm going to give you some really good help right now. Even if you didn't want to live the Christian life, this is really awesome input. Because if you can be humble like Jesus, it will help you at school. Because, see, when you're humble like Jesus, even if you're surrounded by people that are not humble, you can still build great friendships. This will help you at work. Because if your boss is not righteous, and since they're a sinner like you, there's zero chance that they will be righteous. At least perfectly righteous. If you have humility like Jesus, you can do well in the workplace. Even in really difficult circumstances. Right? You know, I remember Caesar Felici telling me once, he has a very successful uh, career in sales. Uh, it was medical devices, then it's oncology testing and things like that. And Caesar told me once, he goes, You know why I'm able to do well in sales? It's because of my Christianity. Because I learned how to love and relate to people by being a Christian. He goes, Way more than any business training I ever received. The same thing's true. If you have humility like Jesus, it can change how you live your life. Now, sometimes we actually make a huge mistake and we think, I'm really humble because I'm not good at anything. Um, You know, I really lack. In this area, in this area, and I'm just, like, not really that great a person. I'm not really that strong. See, it's my humility. You know what? That has nothing to do with humility. Insecurity is not humility. Insecurity is actually pride. It's the same sinful heart that produces arrogance. I know everything. I don't need anyone. Insecurity is that same pride. It's just the other end of the spectrum. You see, because what insecurity does, you're not making yourself nothing. You're you're still sitting on the throne of your life. Everything's about you. How people make you feel, what your response is to it. I'm no good. I'm a loser. You're still on the throne of your life. See, true humility, you're not on the throne. So you don't feel like a loser. You've made yourself nothing. You see the difference? And so don't confuse insecurity with humility. That's not what the goal is. Humility takes us to a place where we're not like this. I saw this in a restaurant once. You know, big sign right behind where, they, where you paid for stuff. I saw another version of it. And it says, I can only uh, please one person a day. Today isn't your day because I chose myself. <laughs> okay. Humility bonds. The Bible says pride only breeds quarrels. You ever tried to argue with a humble person? You can't. You can try, but you cannot do it successfully. It takes two people to actually quarrel. That's what the proverb says: pride only breeds quarrels. So we're going to come back to Philippians too, but but turn over to John chapter one here for a moment. I want to look at Jesus and His life, and I want you to see this in action. You see one of these. Interactions In verse 43 to 51, it says, The next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Well, how did you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. Then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will uh, see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Look at the humility of Jesus. Jesus. You go, well, yeah, he wasn't there when Nathaniel insulted Nazareth. Yes, he was. He wasn't standing there, but he was aware of what went on. And he made that point to Philip. Yeah, I saw you when you're under the tree when Philip called you. Nathaniel just insulted Jesus. Nazareth. What kind of podunk, piddly place is that for one of God's people to come from how Jesus start his conversation? Here's a true Israelite and whom there's nothing false. You say, well, what was Nathaniel's response? Well you got that right. How do you know me? Wow, you you guessed correctly. You saw how awesome I truly am. Jesus could have read him the riot act. But he was humble. You know why? <laughs> because he saw a vision... For what Nathanael could become. And see, that's what humility does. It can ignore the rough edges because it's locked in on this vision of where Nathaniel could go. And Jesus is like, hey, I want to help Nathaniel go from here to here. See, but how can you do that? You gotta have the humility of Jesus. You see, if you don't have Christ-like humility, you short-circuit the process. Because when Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? We're like, why are you talking about where I'm from? Nazareth is a great city. And we get bugged, right? And so we can't see the vision of where Nathaniel could go. Why? Because we haven't made ourselves nothing. The mindset of Jesus is required to live like Jesus. God gives us opportunities on a regular basis to put the love of Jesus into practice. I want you to think for a moment what would be demanded of you if no one ever sinned against you? Ever. Ever, ever, ever. You go, wouldn't that be awesome? Kids were perfect. Parents were perfect. We know grandchildren are perfect. It's already a given. But can you imagine what life is like? Every day at work was perfect. Every professor was perfect. Perfect. Every classmate is perfect. Every driver on the 405. Caltrans perfectly fixed the 5 in one day instead of two years. The timing of streetlights was perfect. Your finances were perfect your health perfect the food that you could eat without gaining any weight was perfect like how would life be wouldn't that be incredible it would be right but what would be demanded from each one of us if that was our reality It would be really easy to have the mindset of Jesus, right? We would be flawless. Because it was never tested. It's like the, the wise and the foolish men that built their house. One on rocks and one on sand. We would be the existing house that had never been tested by a storm. We would mistakenly think that our character had been refined and we were just like Jesus. And we'd be able to define it by, look at how I behave in this situation and this and at work and at school and at home and with mom and with my kids. It's like, it's just all perfect. I am just like Jesus. No, that's not our reality, is it? And it's actually a good thing. Because this is where we become like Jesus. Go back to Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2. Because see, there's there's work being done. There's a process going on. So what is it? Well... Let's see what happened to Jesus in verse nine. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the knee or the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my Presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. There's a work going on in you. It's a work of transformation. It's a work of change. It's a work of renewal. It's what God is doing in you. The Bible says that it is God who works in you to will and to act. According to his good purpose. Did you catch that phrase in there? Do you ever wonder what it means? Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Like, don't you get saved when your sins are forgiven? So, what's this working out part of salvation? Well, it's the transformation that goes on. You're forgiven baptism and your sins are washed away but christ is not fully formed in you at that moment that's a transformation process that's maturity in christ and god is about that purpose in you you know, we had a great discussion at my house we had three pairs of, of fathers and sons, and we were looking at this passage, and one of the questions came up of why do you think God chose father and son as a way to save the world? Like, he could have saved the world a different way. That's not like, well, I had one option, it was this. Why? Why did he do that? And another question was, why would we not learn about God if there was no father and son and he just forgave the world a different way? And we had good discussion. It was like, yeah, but you see the heart of God. You think about it from both sides as the father of how hard it would be to send your one and only son to be that sacrifice. You know, within that relationship, that person that you love and adore so much to then send that one and only son. But then you also get to see it from the son's side. said, so what was the challenge for the son? Well, the trust and the obedience. Uh, Philippians 2 says he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He trusted his father in the middle of horrific circumstances. He said, OK, dad, I'm going with your plan. I trust you, I love you, I'm going to obey you. This does not look good. It says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. You see that interaction between father and son. You see that that relationship. You see, that's why God chose that. He could have done it a different way. But there was something about God that he wanted us to be able to learn and connect with. And it was that trust, and it was that obedience, and it was that humility. You say, well, why? Because right after he describes that, then he says, for it's God who's willing, uh, is working in you to will and to act. You say, well, how does this apply to our life? What God was doing to Jesus is exactly what he's doing to you, and exactly what he's doing to me. And if we don't trust, if we don't obey, if we don't have the same humility, God cannot do his transformation in us just like he did with Jesus. Now you start thinking about what God is doing and then and then he goes, do everything without grumbling or complaining or arguing. I'm like what? Okay, so now you've read through all this with Philippians 2. You go, well, what is it that we grumble and we complain and we argue about? You say, what do you think is going on? It's the working of God to transform you. Well, I don't want those things. I just want to be transformed. You want that, right? I don't want to go to the gym. I just want to be in shape. Yeah, I just want to feel rested in the morning, but I don't have long enough to sleep. You ever played that, prayed that prayer? God, give me 12 hours of rest and only 4 hours of sleep. I prayed that one. Sometimes I feel better. It's like we, we love the transformed side of the process. But we don't want to have to deal with whatever it is we grumble or complain or argue with. I've asked this before. You ever had that thought? Why am I surrounded by so many irritating and annoying people? I say, oh. Sounds like God doing some work. I'll throw in a freebie. If you're studying the Bible and there's things that you're working on changing your life, do not think this. I will change anything except blank. Because if you even think it, you go, oh, I just don't want to say it. I just don't want to tell the people I'm studying with, but I still think it. Because if you think it, it's like... Um, Ghostbusters, and he thought of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, and, you know, it doomed him. If you're older, you know what I'm talking about. If you're younger, you're like, what is, he, what is going on? Okay? So the point is, if you even think the thought, I will give all this to God except this. I don't want him to deal with this. As soon as you think that, you know what God does? Oh, yeah. I know what we're going to work on. Now, he already knew anyway. It's like from a counseling point of view, I can tell you this. I like to ask questions. I especially like it if I get a touchy response. Because now I know I'm getting warm. And if it's really touchy, then I go, ah, we're getting to the issue. You know why? What do we grumble, complain, and argue about? The things where we have not made ourselves nothing, where we have not emptied ourselves, where we are not humble in the same way Jesus is, where we don't have the same trust that He had in what the Father is doing. And so we struggle and we wrestle. Can you imagine how our life changes if we fully trust the work of God? every opportunity, you go, this is awesome. This is a way for me to be molded. This is a way for me to grow. This is a way for me to become like Jesus. I'm putting myself in your hands. You see, Jesus became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then God exalted him to the highest place. You see, trust in God is the one that allows him to do the exalting instead of trying to get there on our own. But if you think about it, when we try and exalt ourselves, isn't that the, the heart that wrecks relationships? You see, you can't have great relationships but exalt yourself. You're not going to have great relationships if you really don't trust God. And you're certainly not going to have relationships if you got wrong thinking and you view yourself from a superior point of view. It just doesn't work. you got to think like Jesus. Say, so what's the challenge? Here's the challenge. Be just like Jesus. It starts with the thoughts. How do you view the people you're going to interact with? How are you going to view the people that you're going to interact with in the fellowship? You see, because if you get that right, the love will flow from there. But we'll be tested. You know why? Because God knows us really well. It's a great opportunity to trust. As he molds us, he says, so we can shine like stars. You know, we can look at the world we live in today and go, it's a mess. It was a mess in Jesus' day, too. It says, we can shine like stars in a crooked and depraved generation. The gospel should be distinct. The love of Christ should stand out. The relationships should reflect a difference. We can't wait for society to get there. It's crooked. It's depraved. But if we have the mindset of Jesus, it will change our relationships. So do this. When you wake up in the morning, make a decision. I want to have the same mindset Jesus had. Toward people. I want to think about people the way Jesus thought about people. Pray that prayer. God, help me to think about people the way Jesus thought about people. If we can do that, it will revolutionize every part of who we are. It will change our relationships. It will change our family. Why? Because we'll be just like Jesus. We put ourselves in God's hands and let him do his work. Say, So what choice will you make? Great minds think alike. It takes intention to think like Jesus. It won't happen accidentally. Let's lock into this. Let's make purposeful decisions every day to think like Jesus thought about people and put this into practice in our life. Amen. Let's stand as we close in one final song.